And so there's always somebody that's willing to tell you, like, this is what it is. And so therefore, you, you should conduct yourselves accordingly. Like, no, I'm going to look at what I see and I'm going to conduct myself accordingly. And I'm going to actually make my own conclusion. And that's what I'm going to do through my analysis and critical thinking. I'm not just going to allow somebody to tell me that this is what it is. And I'm like, oh, well, I guess we might as well be stocking up on stuff because Y2K is coming. Like, how many times are we going to fall for the okie doke? Him with the intro, Raphael. Tweet talk. And right now you're in the presence of the finest. We on the Tweet dope, what it sounds like to be the best. This is a Black Wealth Podcast. Yes. Build wealth, invest, own, and close the wealth gap. It's time to break down these financial concepts with your host, Mr. Todd Meganer himself, Charles Oglesby, and Raphael Husband. What's going on, y'all? What's going on, y'all? We're live. Tweet Talk, Black Wealth Podcast. Yes, we are. I am your host, Raphael Husbands. Hello, my co-host, Charles Oglesby the Third JD, a.k.a. Todd Billionaire. Hi. Welcome to Tweet Talk. We break down these financial <laughs> tweets and we talk about building black wealth. The co-co-host, Nolan Oglesby. <laughs> What's up, Nolan? Um, I get this podcast. I get this podcast. I get this podcast. Gems. I get this Big bars. Big bars. <laughs> Thank you for your contribution. Today we got a special guest. He's been here before. I Because he just launched a new book. Well, he's in the process of launching a new book. This is Tweet Talk, like I said. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Tweet Talk Pod. That's P-O-D. Follow myself, Raphael, on Twitter at Work Money Life. And follow Charles on Twitter at Real Talk Billion. And today, we got a guest, our brother, Bruce Hill, a.k.a. New Skills, New You. Welcome back to the show, brother. Hey, thank you, sir. You know what I say. One new skill will change your life. Right, right, right. It's so funny. I saw um, my Amazon app, I think it was either today or yesterday, it said one year ago today. And I showed a picture of uh, us three. Oh, what? Was like, yeah, I was like, man, it's been a year since. Hey, it's been a year? Where was that? Uh, what year hey. doing? Time flies. Tell the people who you <laughs> are, Bruce. So I'm Bruce Hill, called New Skills New You on all social media, and I help you hear yes more often. So I teach sales and leadership to help individuals and small businesses, entrepreneurs hear yes more often without sounding salesy. It's actually super easy. You mind if I tell you the secret, the secret sauce? Just ask better questions. That's it. Better questions is better clients. No fancy sales scripts, right? You don't need to be a, a killer closer or a master manipulator. You just got to ask better questions. So that's what I help people do. Don't do all the, in the first two minutes, bro. Oh, no. You, come on, man. You know I can do this all day. <laughs> yeah. well, grand opening, grand closing. Yes, sir. What more can I say? <laughs> You know, our brother's here back here, man. And like he said, he can talk about this all day long. And it's true. I've seen it. This ain't no joke. This brother can tell you all day. Talk to you all day about sales without being salesy. And how to ask better questions and ask more questions. And really, is that really the number one key to sales the questions? It is. Absolutely. Absolutely. One one of the favorite questions is... Um, that I like to ask is, hey, what questions do you have before you get started? That's one of my favorite questions. What questions do you have? They're like, hold on, I ain't ready to get started. I got questions. And you're like, oh, what are your questions? And you answer them. And then you ask them again, like, what questions do you have before you get started? They're like, well, I guess I don't have any questions. Great. Mm. Credit card or debit card? 
<laughs> right, right, right. That's that's the best question right there. <laughs> yeah, once you, once you understand, but here's the here's the shift that people have to make: self is service. And it's impossible to serve folks effectively, at least consistently. Maybe you'll accidentally help them out, but it's impossible to serve people effectively if you don't understand what the problem is, what solution they're looking for. So I think I got a couple of tweets on this in the past few hours. You know, you got to ask questions to understand how to serve them. And when you put the, the client first, when you add value first, you solve the problem first, it, it almost becomes easy. So whether you're an introvert or whether you're shy, whether you have zero sales experience or you're trying to bring on your first sales uh, team member, ask some better questions is where I start with 90% of my clients. For sure, for sure. So Charles, what's up, man? Todd Billy in the building. Um, what's new, brother? I think we need to take it back to Todd Capital Chronicles, 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 Chronicles. What <laughs> this is the truck, brother? Um, the truck's just sitting right now. It goes through its ups and downs um, because they don't make things easy. So I had a driver. So it's a lot, but really what's happening is I'm getting finessed by a third party. And sometimes when you include other people, what happens is you have other people who don't have your best interest at heart running your deals. And so the people that are running the truck got their own dang trucks. My truck is like on the back burner. So really what I should be doing is bringing the truck back and putting the work in and doing it myself. And if I'd set to do that for 2023, the truck can make $100,000. If I just commit to just doing it, like waking up every single day doing truck stuff, not trying to be Mr. Passive Income, uh, but I pass it off to some other people. And so we've had situations where they've gotten drivers, lost drivers, had insurance issues, had document issues, and the, the truck sits, and they don't tell me the truck's sitting, they don't tell me I'm losing the driver. So really what I should be doing is making a very diligent effort to get that truck back to California, running it out of California and making it pop for myself. And even if I don't make 100K, if I just make 50K, if I just make more than what I'm making now with it just sitting, and plus I can also put other people on and put them in position, that'll be the win. So the truck right now has been sitting. It was running at one point in time, but now it's not running. Um, so that's that. Still tightening up some last minute details on the flip. Had to spend like $4,000 to get some cabinets for the flip. So ordered those. I kind of put off ordering for a long time. So it's a very, very big commitment, $4,000. But quite honestly, that's the last thing that really needs to go inside this house is the cabinets. So get the cabinets, get the whole kitchen layout. And what I did is really nice. I, I was tempted to go a little lean. And I was like, you know what? You put so much into this house. Don't skip out now. So I uh, put up the full cabinet surround and also paid the extra to get an island. And the island is going to have either the sink or the stove in it, which is going to open up the kitchen and allow me to do more. Um, so did that. And slowly just making progress, trudging along, you know, trudging along, making it do what it do. I had a very, very good interview this morning with the Women on this podcast. I know Bruce is on their podcast. I don't know if he experienced the same thing I experienced, but they asked very good questions. Like, it wasn't just tell me about yourself, tell me your story. They were like making me think, making me work. They're making me figure out things about myself that I didn't even know. They're like, well, where do you see yourself and what do you want to do? And I was like, man, like, this is kind of cool. So uh, that was a cool conversation that I had this morning. And uh, yeah, that's what I got going on. But honestly, I think I'm going to take this month off. I'm really I'm chilling in December. I think that's what it's all about. I think I'm going to chill December. Black Friday, Cyber Monday was good to me. I'm good enough to where I can just like do nothing for December and just kind of like strategically strategically plan for some things. When I say do nothing, what I really mean is I don't want to really do too much marketing and promoting what I really want to do is I want to focus on creating a whole new options course, getting my funnel situated, doing stuff like that. That's more working on the business as opposed to projecting and trying to get uh, new customers, and new clients. I kind of want to chill in that for a second. So when I do relaunch something new, 
or whatever I just decide to relaunch, it'll be that much better. Make even more money in 2023. So I got to kind of tool up to dominate 2023 instead of trying to like do the same things right to the edge and then using the beginning of 2023 to start doing new things. Cool, cool, cool. And Bruce, I noticed that follow our guest Bruce on Twitter at New Skills, New You. But like he said, on all social media platforms at New Skills, New You, because one skill will change your life. Um, Bruce, you had a, a tweet where you said good habits in 2022 make for a great 2023. Yeah, thank you. It's it's funny when you people ask me what I do. I spend more time on a personal professional development than I do on raw sales training. So yes, I could train your sales team, I could hire your sales team, but I found that most individuals need to start with things like clarity, like confidence, communication, and I realized that good habits compound and bad habits do as well. So if you have practiced good habits today, they end up to give you great results tomorrow. And that's a really beautiful thing. So a lot of times, especially at the end of the year, people are planning for 2023 and they can get started today. That doesn't mean necessarily even joining the gym. You know, that's probably one of the most popular New Year's resolutions. It could be doing some sit-ups, 10 sit-ups, 10 push-ups, 10 jumping jacks each day and just get in the habit, right? It could be stretch daily. It could be learning new yoga pose. And that's just something small, five or 10 minutes of your day. But man, that good habit is going to make for a great year. Uh, so 2023 will be a lot different. Not a new year necessarily, but definitely a new you. New year, new you. Hey. <laughs> it started early. New habits, new you. Yeah, much better, much better. Definitely more true. Um the funny thing about exercise, though, it's funny. Uh, you get into the habit of exercising or doing something healthy, it gives you energy to do other stuff. Us. One new skill will change your life, man. And, it, and the discipline that you take to, let's just keep going with exercise, spills into other areas of your life. Things that you don't feel like doing, like picking up the phone and calling a client and saying, hey, you haven't paid the invoice, right? I, 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 so here's another great question. We're talking about asking better questions. So if you have someone that hasn't paid the invoice, Ask them, what are your hesitations about moving forward? And they'll tell you. I had, I had a perfect example. He was like, well, you know what, Bruce? I don't have a sales team. And I was like, okay, why is that a problem? He's like, well, who's going who's gonna to do this if I don't have a sales team? Do I need sales training? I was like, the sales training isn't for you. It's the document, the standard operating procedure, so you can hire that team and they'll be successful. I was like, I don't want you to hire someone and be unsuccessful. That's a waste of time, energy, and money. And so I'll let you know how it goes. You know, stay stay tuned. This this was literally just recently. But the point I want to make is the discipline to do something uncomfortable comes goes over into your business. You don't want to you don't want to call someone up and say, "Why didn't you pay the invoice?" Right? That's that's a tough conversation to have. Uh, but one new skill will change your life. Yeah, one hundred percent. Always, always, not always say, but. What's interesting about exercise, especially if you do like weight training, is like you're constantly challenging yourself to see what more you can do, how much more weight you can put up, what you can tolerate. And the same thing kind of translates into business where you aren't afraid of challenges in business. In fact, you see it as an opportunity to prove how strong you are. And a lot of people, when they see a challenge or they see something that it looks like a difficult task or whatever it might be, they're like, oh, it's too hard. I'm just not going to do it. And so I think that the gym conditions you to think like that, but also psychologically, you just start running through walls in your business. And so when I'm not exercising, I'm less motivated. When I am exercising, I'm kicking butt and taking names. So, yeah, 100 percent. Well said, sir. Well said. 
So, Bruce, I think you're coming out with another book. Tell us about the first book, though. Um, no gas, no brakes. You came up, you wrote that this year, right? You released it this year. Was it this year? Or was it last year? Man, it's been it's 2022. You know, whenever y'all listening to this, is is December 2022. Uh, oops, I don't know if I'm supposed to timestamp the podcast. <laughs> it's all good, man. But uh, I wrote a book as a collaboration project with some great friends of mine. Shout out to uh, Javon Wood. I'll actually, be speaking at his conference in uh, January. And so we collaborate on book, All Gas, No Breaks, where we we wanted people to create a life they didn't need a break from, they didn't need a vacation from. And that's what is so valuable to me. Like, oh, you're always doing this. You're always doing that. You're, but I'm doing what I enjoy. I do what I love. And that's a subtle difference. A lot of people spend all their time away from their family, driving in a car, commuting to a job they don't like or doing things they don't really want to do or don't even get them closer to their goals. And that's such a draining way to live. So I wrote that one to share that message. And also because I told, I kept telling my friend, like, you need to write a book. You need to write a book. And I didn't have a book. So I wrote it. I wrote that one as an example to him to show him how easy it was. Hmm. Oh, good. Oh, good. Oh, good. Oh, good. So one of the biggest uh, stories out now, the um, Coach Prime has jumped ship from JSU, mm -hmm. Colorado for more money. Mm -hmm. Good job. The internet is like on fire. What is your thoughts on this? Uh, you know, people think he abandoned us. Some people went nuts for this. Man. So, man, that's a good question. I have two layers of thought. So, I, I went to the University of Cincinnati, uh, go Bearcats. And while I was there, there was three coaches. Uh, since then, there's been five or six. I haven't been keeping track. So, we're looking at almost ten coaches in close to a decade. I'm not a huge sports person, right? I don't have a degree in sports administration, but I recognize that they move on, that they go seek new opportunities and they try and go up. And I've seen even a few go from really well in college to, to the NFL. And so I don't want to diminish the impact he has at JSU and what it meant for an HBCU to have such a high profile coach and even his record. I think he went 23 and 0 this season. No, who's was undefeated like 12 and 0 or something like that. 12 and 0, excuse me. I told you I'm bad at this. My point is, I can't ignore the impact he had and, and how it's going to, to impact the school moving forward. But I also recognize this isn't this isn't unusual. It isn't something that he's just like uh, the outlier one in 100 coaches to leave for another school. So I understand they're upset, but I don't think they should be surprised. I also would love to see more high-profile coaches go to HBCUs. So then it wouldn't really be such a big deal. Because if you, instead of one high-profile coach for all the HBCUs, there's 100, two, you know, there's 200, coach, system coach, defensive coach. So if one of them leaves, I'm like, oh, okay, well, good luck. I think that's really the bigger issue is that he's one of the few. Uh, you know, shout out to some other schools with, with strong programs. He's one of, one of the few that came from uh, his stature. That's really the issue there. Yeah, the problem is it was one Dion. I mean, like you said, this is nothing new. This is what coaches do. And besides, he co he he interviewed at bigger schools first, and that was just a school that gave him a chance. Mm -hmm. I don't think he really made it a secret that he was going to probably bounce sooner or later. But I think, I guess the real problem is when he got once he got there, he kind of made it seem like he was all for HBCU and, uh, and making a. a a big change and all this kind of stuff that he really sold it like he was going to be there long term but I don't know man that's that's a tough one I, I mean I like that he was all in while he was there 
do things 100% while you're there. And so here, here's an example. I, I'm not married currently, um, but you probably have more than one girlfriend, right? You dated more than one person. And I like to think that you did, did your best. Once you figure out it didn't work, you say, hey, then mutually separate and move on. When you do find a home, you're there to stay. Um, so I don't want to oversimplify, right, football to marriage. But the point is you have to do the best where you are. And I don't think you you begin any relationship or should not begin any relationship with an exit strategy, right? Exit strategies are for, for real estate investments. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think there's two sides to the argument and neither of them is more right than the other. Um, and it's just interesting because you see people on the Internet who express these opinions, who are people that you kind of look up to, who will make one argument and people that you look up to and will make another argument. And I think that what it really boils down to is just how you view the world. Do you view the world as though it's your responsibility to just get as much money as possible, no matter where you get it from? Or do you think that you have a responsibility to see your people and to also get money while also serving your people? So different people are going to view it different ways. And it's not my job or responsibility to convince somebody who sees it differently to see it my way. It's just my responsibility to continue to go on about my mission. Because if if it was me and it was my goal to just get the money, I wouldn't be an entrepreneur. I wouldn't be doing the thing. I wouldn't have this podcast. This podcast would not exist. All my effort and energy would be put on getting a job and getting the biggest paycheck, no matter how it came. There would be no tie capital. So my perspective is obviously different, um, but I still want him to be successful where he's going. So I don't want him to go there and flop or whatever. I want him to have just as dope as an experience as he had at, at, at JSU as he, did when he was at, um, as he does at, at uh, Colorado. I didn't want it to happen when they were talking about it potentially happen. I was like, nah, I want him to stay. I want him to stay. I would just say that as a community, we have to start seeing the value in keeping our stuff, our stuff. And whatever he, his decision was, his decision, we just have to look and say, all right, how can we make it competitive for people to to want to stay at an HBCU? What can we do to make that happen? What can we do to make it so it's worth their while so they don't feel like they're taking a loss? But we also kind of have to reshape the culture because at once upon a time, these major universities weren't as major as they are now. They got there over time. They got there through contributions of alumni. They got through through contributions of influential people that came and poured back into those universities, people that did really well and then came back. And so we have a unique situation where we might not be able to write a big old check and just and even they can't write the check. They said they don't have the money. They're going to figure it out. You know, how they figured it out is all the success they've been having since they made that announcement. They made like 50K in endorsement, 50K in different sales. They're going to get a bunch of endorsements. They're going to get a bunch of players. They got a bunch of impressions. And the reason why that's important is we can use that influence to influence them or we can use that influence to influence our own because in a certain way, he did make HBCUs hot again and relevant again. And, and that wasn't just JSU, it was all HBCUs. And so for me, not trying to be politically correct, I think that Deion Sanders should have stayed. I think he should have stayed. I wanted him to stay. And I don't care if you think he's like, he needs to get a promotion. That's just, it's, there's certain things that are more important than a few million dollars. And those things are building up an entire race of people. We can sit here and we can wait on the government to, to pour that, that money on us, or we can come back and we can contribute our influence, our abilities, and our, our, all that stuff back home. And we're not and there, there's no other community that does that. And that's why they don't need it. They don't need the reparations because they are their own reparations. 
there's value in the people, there's value in the celebrity, there's value in the the pool and the draw. And I didn't want Dion to be the only person. He can't even do it himself. He's only doing it on a small scope. We needed more people to come back and do the exact same thing. LeBron James, all those people should be bringing their influence back to their community. And if we don't do that, we're going to continue to be a, a valueless community. I don't, I mean, not, I don't, we're going to get, I mean, it's just not there, but we might not be able to write the big check, but we have so much pool. And if we would just bring our pool and leave it in our community, we'd be good. That's what I think needs to happen. And it's kind of a difficult way to lay it out, but like that's what needs to happen. I can't argue with that one. For sure. Like you said, a way that you invest in your universities is sometimes money, but sometimes human capital. If our stars contribute their personalities to our institutions, they're in a sense investing capital, which in turn builds the institutions. And I one said thing that. That, Yeah. Exactly. I did say that. Right. Were, you, were you reading a tweet? You, you, yeah. that, you read that so smooth. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it's frustrating because like people don't see it, man. People don't see that all the problems that we need to solve are solvable, but not if we continue to do what we've always been doing. Like we got to change the narrative and change things. So it's like, all it I can a- do is continue to do what I'm doing. And it takes a while, like, to turn a ship, it, you gotta keep turning and turn. Like it takes a while to get the ship turned all the way around. Like you can't, it can't be done in three years. That's for sure. But what I do like though is he actually did do a lot in those three years. And while even though he might have had his eye on a bigger prize, supposedly, quote unquote, he was all in while he was there. He gave he gave a hundred percent effort while he was there. I mean, there would be more he could have done. Like intellectually speaking, like maybe he could have done more fundraise. Maybe he could have done fundraising, done commercials. He could have done a lot more celebrities there. But he coached while he was there. He put his all into those young men while he was there. He put on for HBCUs and did the speeches and did all that while he was there. So it's really tough. To really criticize him, but it would have been nice if he stayed. Would have been nice if he stayed. But like you said in a tweet, the real L is a culture relying on one person to save HBCUs instead of all of us being one person. Man, that's what I was saying earlier. If there was a hundred coaches, you know, from the NFL going to HBCUs, one leaving, they'd be like, they they probably would would be like, oh, come hang out with us. That's what all the cool kids are doing. Yeah, I think it it also. There's just so much to it. There's so much to it. And I think in order to really grasp what, what needs to be done, we, we need to actually have knowledge of what, what really happened. And I think I mentioned this on the last podcast that so we did when I was on the stage with Chris Dinegal and he was talking about integration. And Deion Sanders is one thing, but a lot of what happens is we tend to send our best and our brightest to those universities as well. So you're sending your best and your brightest to SC, UCLA. I've even made the comment, like, I want my son to go to SC, but I also want him to go to HBCU. So I got to figure out how to make that hybrid approach. They can do like a year there, but I don't know. But um, it's we shouldn't even have that mindset. It should just be HBCU first. And it's uncomfortable. The reason why is because we've been sold that. I was thinking about this today. I was like, not today, but in in general, I was like, if wealth is land and Africa is one of the largest land masses, like why isn't Africa considered the wealthiest? Because they steal everything from it. And because they just create their own narrative. So they create the narrative by just saying we're the best, even if they aren't the best. <laughs> so I don't know, but it's interesting. I've, I've just, I've heard the different perspectives. We're talking about pay increases. We're talking about a lot of selfish stuff, a lot of selfish stuff. So a lot of lives were changed from Deion Sanders being at JSU 
Um, but there are other professional athletes to go back there. But he just has that pull about him. But he also had a team around him that was cr- kind of creating that pool. So he involved his sons. I think part of the play is really just getting his son to a power five school. I think everything that Dion has really done was for the benefit of his son. So when he was coaching high school, he was coaching. When he was coaching before high school, he was coaching his son's team. Then he coached the high school team. Then he wanted to be able to coach to make sure his son got a shot to play at the next level because two of his other sons went, he just sent them off to school. So one went to like SMU and the other went to, I'm not sure what the school was. And they didn't get that much playing time. They didn't get that much shine. And I feel like with this son, he wanted to make sure that his son got to play at that level and got to really get time so he could potentially get seen and go to the league. And so when he is going to Colorado, he's taking his son with him and his son's going to play quarterback there and his son's going to get all that Pac-12 TV time and then ideally get a chance to play at the next level. And who knows, he might be trying to go to the pros and coach. I think ultimately he wants to coach at the pro level. And so if you look at what his actual goals are, I can understand it. I don't think that his message is incorrect, even though he's gone. A lot of the things he was saying in terms of we need to bring back the HBCUs, we've got to invest, we got to do all that stuff. It's still true. He's just not going to necessarily be there. And who knows, he might come back to homecoming. You know, he might come back. That would be dope if he did. Right. But um, Deion Sanders has always been my favorite athlete, and I like to see what he had done. Um, and we just got to figure out what the next step is, because obviously that strategy is not just lean on Dion. And it shouldn't be lean on Dion. Yo, it's the Options Trading Workshop, presented by Tide Capital. Learn the fundamentals and advanced trading strategies that allow us the chance to earn $20,000 in side money in one year while working a job and running multiple businesses. That's right. Learn the what, the where, and the how of options trading in this exclusive webinar. To find out more details, hit us up on the link in the bio, on Instagram at Partner with Millie, or on Instagram at Todd.Capital, or just head over to gumroad.com forward slash Todd Capital. That's where I teach new skills, new youth. We can teach the individuals to level up it as a benefit to the whole, right? Some of the parts is greater than some, some of the whole is greater than some of the parts. And that's where, you know, my contribution is where we can help some new entrepreneurs survive and build something that they own. Uh, I can see it being a massive shift over the next, not even a long time, next five years. The goal for 2023 is to, to impact 2,500 small businesses. Yeah. Right. Now, Funny thing is, people criticize him so much, but I think he said it's not just about his kids. Some people are saying the, part of the reason he left is because his co- his assistant coach was not getting paid much. Like, he was only making three hundred grand. They also said that he would give like half of his salary back to the school to improve the facilities. It's another problem with HBCU since we don't have the funding. We don't have the facilities like the bigger schools. Since we're talking about funding, I, yeah. saw, I saw an article that said that. Under Joe Biden, they reduced funding at HBCUs from like forty-two billion to like three billion dollars. That was yeah. interesting to see. Mm-hmm. So from like forty-five to like two billion. I need to, Yeah, we need to fact check that. Did that? Did that get passed? I'm not sure. That has very strong implications. Also, saw that um, Diamond Dave was doing a video about it last night. I didn't watch the whole thing. But one of the first things he said was that people don't realize is that at the state level, the state governments don't really give HBCUs the help they need and the resources that they need because it's kind of like you starve. If you starve them out, they're going to go away. Right. And then they'll be like, oh, they weren't really good schools. They're not getting the same funding as a school, you know, five, ten miles down the road. 
you go to the hood and you go to the neighborhood schools, the books are falling apart and the desks are falling apart and the chairs are falling apart and they even say kids are no good. Kids are just as smart as the other kids. You're giving them 20-year-old stuff that's falling apart and there's no good. What do you expect? Well, Bruce, you got another book coming out? Yeah, thank you for asking. So I've been narrowing down and niching down and niching down. This book is called Sales Success System. So helping, again, a small business, that entrepreneur, that micro enterprise have sales success while being their authentic self. So it's not going to not going to be uh, transform you into someone you're not. OK, how do we help you, your authentic self, grow your business, increase your revenue? So I've condensed what I've learned over the past 15 years. The, the things I messed up, I've done wrong and the things I've done really well, you know, from President's Club to to seven figures and pipeline for SaaS companies and startups and say, OK, let's apply this to the person that's getting started who maybe hasn't hired the first salesperson yet who's or looking to build their sales team or who says, look, it's just me. And but how do I spend more time serving and less time selling? So what I've done and I think Charles put the, the pre-order up. The pre-order is going to get you a physical copy of the book, first quarter of 2023. You'll be mentioned in the book, too. So make sure you fill out everything on the pre-order. All right. Because I definitely want to shout you out, especially if you're a business owner, entrepreneur. Definitely want to shout you out. Say thank you. I want to sincerely help you grow. So that's um, that's first quarter 23. But today, today, if you got the pre-order, I've already started adding resources in there to help you grow your business today. Uh, they're asking better questions, resources in there, the conversations, the clients resources in there. And I'm going to keep adding new trainings and no additional cost. You get the pre-order. You're good so that you can put those into practice and benefit from it today. So it's all about adding value just as a thank you and giving back. And I'm super excited. This is the first book I've written directly. This is my first solo project directly to the people I serve, not just to a general. Everyone can benefit from this, but from the entrepreneur that's trying to go for the entrepreneur that's trying to get to the next level. Like this is for you. When is it dropping? First quarter, 2023. Days pending. I'm shooting for, I want to hit it by my birthday, but I'm saying February. That's so that I keep my promises. Cool. We we have the, um, the link in the show notes. Thank you, sir. I appreciate y'all. You guys have been awesome, man. Shout out to Tweet Talk Podcast, y'all. Like, subscribe, leave them five stars. For real. Shout out to us, man. <laughs> and the funny thing is, like, I, I, I'm not going to spend too much time on this. I just want to go back to, that, to the, the HBCU thing real quick. It's like, Charles had a tweet where he said, um, our people are more valuable than a, than a check or something to that effect. And it's like, thinking about the HBCUs, everybody that you see online are people that you meet that talk, that went to HBCU, the way they talk about it, especially if there's somebody that went to a regular, uh, what they call a PWI, and then they transferred to HBCU and they say the experience that they had at that HBCU compared to other schools, they say it's like night and day. Like there's some certain type of pride in the experience that you get there that people say is unmatched. And it's just something about our people, man. It's just different. Like Bruce right here, the only sales trainer with locks. <laughs> yes, sir. I checked. <laughs> <laughs> You said the issue isn't how easy something is. The question is, what are my priorities? Ooh, thank you, sir. That was that one hit me. I was like, oh, I gotta, I gotta tweet this one. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't believe that if it was easy, everyone would do it. I don't believe that's true. Um, the average adult after high school uh, in the U.S. reads 0.8 books a year. 
So they're either not finishing the books they start, or it takes them five years to read four books. Now, I understand that people have different learning abilities, but hypothetically, you could read 10 pages a day, 10 pages. That should take you 10 minutes, 15 minutes, maybe the press small. 10 pages a day, you could read 300 page book in a month. That's 12 books a year. That's easy, but people aren't doing it. So it's not an issue if it's just easy, it's if it's a priority. So we bring it back to sales skills. People are like, oh, I don't want to be pushy. I don't want to be a salesperson. I don't want you to be pussy, but I want more people to tell you yes. Because at the end of the day, the number one reason businesses fail is because of the lack of funding. Well, you know, the best place to get funding is it's your customers. It's your clients. I don't need a beg for a loan. I don't need to jump through hoops for a grant. Let's add value to more people. And so the easiest thing you can do to get more sales is just ask. Say, hey, Rafael, may I have an opportunity to serve your business? Hey, Charles, can I partner with you for marketing this new book? That's easy. It's one sentence. It might be uncomfortable, but it's easy and people still don't do it. So I love that you picked up that tweet, man. It's not about whether it's easy or difficult. What are your priorities? That will have me fired up. What are your priorities? That's man, no, you got me thinking, man. That is the question for forget twenty twenty three. Forget the new year. That's the question for today. Ooh, yes, for right now. What are my priorities? What are your priorities, brother? You had a tweet, Charles, where you said there's a limited number of entertainers or athletes who can make it, but an unlimited number of business owners who can't. Ooh, I'm about to retweet that one. That's why Um Man, why did I even tweet that? That was, that's an old tweet. It probably came back across the timeline. Because it's true. Um, it's kind of like Gary Vee said. There's like 450 people in like the NBA or, or whatever. And number 450 only makes like 600,000. The 450 of best businessman makes has a private jet. Is that, he said something like that today. But there's so many people that we don't know. have never been on TV. They have a small family business that's making crazy money. And their career lasts a lot longer than 3.2 years. <laughs> like an NFL player, something to think about, folks. When you, when you want to put your kids in uh, TV football and start banging heads with these other kids, have you have you decided on what you, what what you're gonna do with your son, um, Charles? As far as, as sports goes, I saw today you were saying you want to put him in football for the discipline. <laughs> Um, it's just touchy subject, you know, because it involves two people making a decision. But um, yeah, my son is very active, uh, very rough. He needs to be doing something where he can get this energy out. Uh, so we'll see. But I was thinking about how, like, and I forgot who I was having this conversation with. We were just talking about how, like, actually, I might have been watching one of the Deion Sanders uh, like interviews because they had one of those things where they were sitting in a, in the the meeting room and everybody was like giving speeches. And what I liked about it was there's a lot of yes, sir, no, sir, that kind of stuff. And I think that's important for kids to learn um, discipline, work ethic, uh, mindset, teamwork. All those come through playing a sport. And um, I want them to have those those character traits. And so that's one of the reasons I haven't really it's not like a make a decision. It's going to be an ever evolving thing. Uh, right now, he does swimming and then eventually he'll probably playing soccer first. Um, and then we'll see where it goes from there. We'll see. It's kind of like it's kind of like what um Bruce said earlier. One one discipline leads to another. It's true. I think when I'm looking to hire, I like two groups of people. I like servers and I like athletes. I like athletes because they have discipline and they. I don't have to convince them that they want to win. They want to win. They want to be the best. What's what's the record so I can break it? It's like okay. And I like servers because they're good at talking to people. 
uh, strangers and they're good at de-escalating unruly customers. That's a, that's a phenomenal skill. That's, that's kept me out of jail a couple of times. Yeah. Let's say working uh food food service. Sure. Oh, so you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cause I, I remember a long time ago I was working a restaurant. A guy told me one time, he said, you can't get mad at these customers. They're hungry. <laughs> hungry persons are always gonna be angry. Man. Customers, they're hungry. They that's that's a bar. Hold on. You're like, what do you expect them to act like? <laughs> they didn't come in here to say hi, they came in here to eat. That's funny. <laughs> so funny, like, I've, seen, I've seen customers that they came in and they would seem kind of rude but after they took their food and man sat down and came back and they saying thank you they're so nice nicest people in the world <laughs> they, they was angry <laughs> right exactly that's yeah that's why I love hiring servers Or oh, so hey listen there's a tip for you if you're looking to hire your first salesperson or you want to grow your team bump servers and athletes up. Mm -hmm. You can teach them the skills. Call me. I'll teach them the skills. We need people with the right attitude. Now, I saw a, a tweet on online where 19 Keys said mediocrity is celebrated way too much. What's your opinion on that? Ooh, Charles, I'll leave this one to you. Um, man, I don't know. It's tough for me to speak on somebody else's tweets, man. <laughs> It really is, um, or even my old tweets, because I probably moved on from my old stuff. I just, I just be so focused on what I'm doing that I don't really even know. Um, I'm not around a lot of mediocre activity anymore. I'm just not. So <clears throat> I couldn't even really, I can't really, I struggle to kind of speak on that. I don't really see it. So, yeah. Uh, well, I'll chime in on this one. I told someone yeah, I like to read. They're like, "Yeah, how many books have you read this this year?" And I was like 18 and they're like, wow, 18 books. That's amazing. And I said, thank you. But they didn't realize like last year I read 50 books and the year before that I read 60. I'm going the wrong way. <laughs> so I, I hear I hear that tweet and it's and it's like what Charles said. You're around if you're around people that are doing fifty thousand dollars a year income and you make sixty five, they're going to be like, wow, good job. Um, but you hang around some other folks and they're doing 50 a month. You're gonna have a hard time catching up. Or, or let's do this. Let's go. Let's go back to the gym. You pushing a hundred. Everybody else is doing eighty. You you top dog. But you go to one of those professional gyms. You have someone that's that's training for the Olympics. You lightweight. Right. So I, I'm I'm inclined to agree with this tweet. Is who are you hanging around? That's why I like spending time with y'all, man. I've been up for way longer than I'd admit. Um, but this was definitely worth my time, energy, and attention. Because I want to be better. I don't want to be, I want to raise the bar. I want to, 2021 is yesterday, right? I'm looking towards the future. For sure. That's yeah. what I Wait, one new skill will change your life. <laughs> Let's go to something. So, Charles, you had a tweet. And this probably is an old one. You said, you don't even know you aren't going hard enough until you get in a room full of brothers going crazy. Now, here's my question to you. <laughs> yeah, that's another old one. <laughs> yeah, well, here's my question to you, though. So, all three of us now are in the Todd Capital Mastermind, right? That you started. Now, sometimes we ask people, like, what did you get out of being part of the Mastermind? But let me ask you this. What did what have you gotten out of the Mastermind, Charles? Hmm. Uh, never thought about that, did you? I haven't. I would say that I think that sometimes when you're teaching things, it reminds you of the things that you need to be doing yourself. And so I think one of the ideas that comes to mind is when I started doing the pay what you want, 
And so something that I learned and then I kind of exposed the group to and then I implemented. So um, it helps to have like a sounding board and have people that I can kind of bring ideas to and share things with. Um, I would say it's taught me to kind of um, to have different subjects to talk about outside of just the obvious one. So when I'm in front of other people, I have multiple banks of information that I can pull from and talk from. So I've talked about so many different things from social media automation to um, building your funnel, value ladders, that kind of stuff. And so everything that I've kind of taught now becomes a part of what I can speak on. And so I'll say like, that's one of the best things is it's, it's taught me or it's allowed me to kind of be a leader and to always have the floor. And so you can kind of like ask to be on somebody else's stage or you can build your own stage. And so I built my own stage and so I'm constantly getting public speaking advice. And so, for example, I used to I've been in other groups where it wasn't my group. And now you're waiting to be called on like, oh, I'm going to just click and raise my hand. Hopefully they call them before the, the thing's over. Now it's like I always get to talk. I always get to drop gems. I always get to share what my, my take on is what we're reading. And so that's what I like about it. It's that piece is the control piece. And what's funny is I learned that I'm kind of always been the person that would rather build my own than participate in somebody else's. I don't know why I'm that way. I don't want people to be that way with me. I want people to participate in what I'm building. But when it comes to me, I've always just been like that guy, um, especially if I'm just going to be on the outside looking in. If I have like a leadership uh, uh, position and I'm helping build it and I have some say, then that's cool. Like I don't mind being partners, but I don't just want to be one of the ducks hanging around. I, I want to say too, I've seen you communicate more effectively and teach more effectively over, over this past year. Uh, Cause you have a lot of good ideas, but you didn't always express them in a way that people could grasp and then execute. And you've definitely become more skilled as a teacher over the years. I could agree with that. Yeah, yeah for sure. I mean, for me personally, um, big thing for me is being around people that are kind of like heading the same direction, doing the same kind of thing. And I don't think that what you're doing is crazy. Like if you're talking about posting multiple times on social media, it, you're not looked at funny. You know what I'm saying? Like some of the, if you think about it, some of the stuff we do and talk about, ordinary people will not, will, wouldn't even understand why you would even want to do this. But in our group, it's, it's normal. In fact, we tell you to do more. Post more. Three times, no, ten. Ten. <laughs> Remember we did a ten, ten, uh, ten post a day challenge and everybody's accounts went crazy. That shit was great. So, because you had a tweet. Uh, well, let's go back to Bruce. Bruce, you had a tweet. Lay it on me, man. You said Russian won't get you there any faster. Consistency, consistency will get you there for sure. Mm. I found that that quote in a notebook. I was going through some notebooks trying to find some information and I read it and then I stopped and I read it again. I said, hold up. And what I found over the years, I don't know if anyone's run, run a race, you know, 5K, 10K. A lot of rookies will try and beat everyone to that first one mile. Let's just say you're doing a, a 10 mile race. And they would try to be the fastest person out of the gate and they would try and be the fastest person and what would happen, they would have a really short mile time, you know, six, seven minutes for the first mile and maybe six or seven minutes mile for the second mile. But then the third mile, the time would go up, right? They'd get slower, it'd be an eight minute mile and then be a nine minute mile, then a 10 minute mile. And 
And then that's, you know, your last place. But what's more effective is I say, hey, in my head, I know I can do a nine minute pace for the, the most of the race. And that last mile, then I go full speed. And what's interesting is you can beat a lot of people that way because they're tired. They are wore out. They were rushing. And so they ended up getting there not any faster, sometimes slower. But the person that's consistent, they end up doing better overall. And so, uh, yeah, I found that that quote in the notebook. I think that was earlier today. And I was like, man, I got to remember that for my own entrepreneurial journey. You know, you can do all the plays and you can all do the hacks. But at the end of the day, consistently telling your target audience what problem you solve daily. That's the way to success. You also said, tell more people what you do. That was that was so simple. It, it's I wonder if people miss the value in that one because it's so simple. No one can buy from you if they don't know what you do or have. It's not even like not going to school, getting a marketing degree, going to university and learning mass communication. It's not hiring a social media. It's just just tell some more people. That's why I hopped on Tweet Talk Podcast. Hey, it's new skills, new you. DME solution. We'll take care of it. We help you increase the sales of your business. Boom. I just told somebody. Somebody's going to listen to this a year from now, 10 years from now. They're like, hey, I wonder if that, that works, still works. That's it. I, remember, I said it earlier. It's easy. But we could talk about some more, you know, the three C's being clear, concise, compelling. And we could talk about um, putting together presentation effectively. But at the end of the day, just tell them. Just tell them. And your business is going to grow. Yeah. What do you? What? Is, what is the number one skill that you need for a business? Ooh, for business or for sales? For business. For business. Is it not sales? I hate statements like that. Hmm. Because you don't it's, just need one skill. It's a bunch of skills, right? Uh, so I'm gonna I'm gonna cheat and say I'm gonna be uh, the number one skill is to learn new skills. <laughs> Learning, learning is definitely a skill. You can learn how to ingest information, to understand it quickly, to synthesize it quickly, and apply it quickly, to execute it quickly. If you learn how to learn, there's five skills I, I go over. It's confidence, it's listening, communication, which I do teach separately. Uh, confidence, listening, communication, learning, and then raw sales skills. Those are five skills that I go over and over again. If you learn how to learn, like just reading 10 pages a day, that's learning, right? That's active learning. You can absolutely transform your life. When I started reading books, it was because I wanted to be CEO. I thought that's the top dog, right? Money, power, respect. And so I learned somewhere that the average CEO reads 60 books a year and attends six conferences a year. I'm like, all right, bet. We're going to go to some conferences. We're going to read some books. And when I discovered, though, while the CEO is probably the most well-paid employee, there's someone that started the company. There's someone that owns the company. And I'm like, you can start companies? You're allowed to do that? And that's what I realized. Like, oh, it's called entrepreneurship. I got to check this out. One new skill will change your life. So now that I learned something new, I applied that to my life. I accidentally became an entrepreneur. I was trying to get a promotion on my job. They said, Bruce, you don't have enough leadership skills. Leadership is a skill. So I went and found a group called Toastmasters. They teach leadership and communication. And I started adding value. I started serving. And I was helping other people with their presentations. They were winning awards. They were winning prizes. <laughs> One guy, he was like, you know what, Bruce, you help me be confident to ask the, uh, my crush on a date. And they say, yes, I'm like, man, you know, that's great. I help people get promotions. And one day, this is where my entrepreneurship journey started. Someone said, how much do I owe you? I was like, what do you mean? They're like, I really appreciate your help. How much do I owe you? 
I just made up a number. I said a hundred dollars. I don't know. It seemed like a lot of money. I paid a hundred dollars for three hours. I didn't know what I was doing. It was called executive coach. A hundred dollars for three hours. I promise you, it's not. It's not thirty dollars an hour no more. <laughs> but that was more than I was getting paid at my job. And it never occurred to me that someone would be willing to pay me for the value I had the problem I saw. And that's why I teach people sales isn't about being an extrovert. It isn't being an excellent talker. It isn't about convincing people. When you add value in an impactful way, people are happy to pay you. They will trade you their time, energy, or money for the solution to their problem. All I have to do is teach you how to clearly, confidently communicate the problem you solve. So now all of a sudden people are asking you to pay you. And that's what New Skills New Year is all about. Hmm. That's cool. Charles didn't like the question. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't like questions like that. And the reason why I don't like questions like that is because I think that it can kind of be like a short cut mentality where it's like, all right, I just want to find the one thing that I can do because I'm trying to get there as fast as possible. And it's like, are you committed or do you just want the result? Because mm. in my opinion, we got to be committed for the sake of, not just for the, the bread. Because if that's the case, as soon as they flash some bread in your face, you'll be running over to get the bread to Colorado University. Mm. Oh, it's like, like that's my thing. Um, when I hear it, I just don't hear grind. I don't hear hustle. I don't hear hungry. I hear I want it easy and I want it fast. And that just doesn't work. 10X doesn't say that. If it was, that's 1X thinking. 1X thinking is what's the one thing? 10X thinking is like, all right, so you want to be here, 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 here. You got it. It's done. And I think that's what truly gets you to that point. So that's why I don't like questions like that. Because people ask me that, like, oh, what's the best CRM? What's the best, like, man, the best, oh, CRM, yeah. the best CRM is a CRM that you put effort into. Mm-hmm. That you use. Because you can have the best tool. You can have ClickFunnels. And if you got ClickFunnels and you do it like I do ClickFunnels, it don't matter if it's the best software. I don't, I haven't even set up my funnel yet. I had it for like two years. Mm. I just haven't had the drive to get my ClickFunnels going. And so I think that that's why when I hear things like that, it's like, all right, where's the grind at? Where's the grind at? All right, all right. Oh, Charles, switch gears a little bit. You said stocks trending down means a boom is coming. Ooh, talk to him. I would like to think so. Um, I'm not sure if the Fed has released their minutes for their meeting yet, but a lot of what's going to happen in the stock market is contingent upon what the Fed says. And uh, we had a pretty good rally into the last week because, well, we had a situation where there was news that inflation wasn't as high as people said it was, which would then indicate that maybe the Fed's going to start slowing down their rate increases. And then I want to say we got some more news that kind of indicated that the rates wouldn't go up. And so we had seen the stock market kind of trend up, like my account went up pretty significant in like the last month. And then we kind of took a little dip. And so... Like, uh, forget his name. I haven't seen him in a long time. But uh, the stock market goes up and down and up and down. So if it's been going up for a while and we're going down, that means you can expect another up to follow. And so I've just kind of been patient, waiting on the next kind of resurgence to happen. There's cycles to this. What goes up must come down. So 
What do you tell the person that sees that and says, I better wait to start investing till I see what happens? That's the wrong mentality. Uh, waiting mentality is another not hunger mentality. If you were hungry and you were starving, like you was dying, would you say, you know what? I'm going to wait to drive to the store until later until all the stoplights are green. No, you be in the car, waiting for the stoplights, going to get that burger. Yeah. And so I think I'm, I've never been a fan of waiting. I've never been a fan of holding off and waiting for the signs to be clear. Um, what I would recommend is getting in now with the strategic plan to capitalize on what comes. I think that really is the play because quite honestly, when it comes to this stock market stuff, a lot of us we don't know because the market can do whatever it wants to do. Right. And it's going to do whatever it wants to do. We've seen so many people on this internet call out stuff and be wrong, tell people to buy things and be wrong. Mm-hmm. And it's because they thought they had the crystal ball. They thought they just knew. I, I just know. I know it's the right time to buy Amazon right now. And I wish I could check Amazon price. I can. But like, whatever those things are, you got to be committed to the process. People said buy Amazon at 98, it's at 88 now. But what's it going to be in six months, 12 months, two years from now? That's the real play. And so I'll never forget when I tell the story all the time, Chipotle was trading at $1,000, hit the E. coli thing, it fell down to like 430. Somebody said, should I buy Chipotle now or should I wait until it goes lower? I should buy it now. It was at 430. It ultimately fell to 360. They were right that they could have made some more money, but they ended up not buying it at all. And now the stock's trading at damn near 2000. So whether you buy it at 430 or buy it at 370, it doesn't matter. All I knew was 430 was way better than it was at a thousand. And then it was not going to stay at 430 forever. And so you don't have to find the bottom. You just got to find an opportunity. You don't have to find the lowest of the low. Smart investors will tell you that you're never going to find the low and you're never going to find the high. And people who are waiting are waiting to find the lowest point and the highest point. And that's just not how you do it if you want to actually be successful, in my opinion. You just got to buy when it makes sense and sell when it makes sense. I've sold stocks that continue to run higher. I sold the S&P when we went back to pre-COVID levels and it continued to run. It's corrected downward now because I knew that that was the proper extra extra point. But still, I was perceived to have left one on the table, but I still made a good amount of money in that S&P investment. I don't believe in waiting. I believe in taking advantage of the opportunity. Action takers and money makers. Yes, sir. And that's the key because even in business, it's like, oh, should, should I wait until after the recession? Should I wait until after COVID? Like, fam, you're always going to have a reason to wait. They're always going to be pumping some kind of fear into you to convince you to do nothing. It's always something. Don't buy a house there in COVID. Don't buy a house with interest rates going high. But right now, it's probably going to be the cheapest that homes will be. You don't even know what's going to happen. And you know what happens if you happen to buy a house. Let's say you buy a house for $400,000. Interest rates continue to move those prices down to three hundred. dollars Yeah, it's going to be down temporarily, but it's not going to be down forever. Who the heck is this? So... I appreciate you. That that wasn't a rhetorical question or a vague question. I, I really struggle with that where, you know, people keep putting things off. So I, I appreciate you sharing your insight on that. My bad, Ron. I didn't mean to take your, take your spotlight. No, it's all good. It's all good. 
And it's like Charles had another tweet. We said, as smart as bankers think they are, they were completely caught off guard during the 08 recession. So why they listen to your advice and when the next recession is coming? I saw something by Jamie Dimon, and he was talking about that he expects it to be a bad recession coming up. And then I'm always seeing different people who either work for a bank or are high up somewhere talking about recession, recession, it's a recession, it's a recession. And I, I was watching CNBC today, and they were talking about how there's a difference between like a value recession and an economic recession. And so we are in, quote, a value recession because things were overvalued, meaning that stock prices were overvalued. They were flying so high that it was not in touch with real reality. And so those values are correcting down. And then you have an economic recession where you have like an actual jobs are being lost, homes are being foreclosed on, that kind of stuff. And we're not seeing that. We're not seeing that. And so my problem is if these people are so smart, they wouldn't have got clapped last time. And so you don't get just to pop up and say, well, I'm the CEO of this bank and I said this, so therefore you listen to me. In my opinion, that's like on the podcast that I was listening to this morning, I said that we have to get to the point to we have the ability and the knowledge within ourselves to hear things and come to our own conclusion, not merely adopt the conclusions that are handed to us. And so there's always somebody that's willing to tell you like, this is what it is. And so therefore you, you should conduct yourselves accordingly. Like, no, I'm gonna look at what I see and I'm gonna conduct myself accordingly. And I'm going to actually make my own conclusion. And that's what I'm going to do through my analysis and critical thinking. I'm not just going to allow somebody to tell me that this is what it is. And I'm like, Oh, well, I guess we might as well be stocking up on stuff. Cause Y2K is coming. Like how many times are we going to fall for the okie doke? How many times? There's always something. There's always something. You said it. Y2K. Wow. Charles, we jumped in jail or something. What's that book we were supposed to write? Uh, the book of gems or the gym book or something? I don't remember. We were talking on the Top Capital Mastermind. Shout out to the Top Capital Mastermind. And um, I think if you th if they grab the Freedom Pack, do they get access? I think they do. Grab the Freedom Pack us, Freedom Pack us, not com, and learn how you can survive any recession. Anyway, we were talking about taking all the gems and quotes that we have, kind of doing like a tweet talk, best of, uh, maybe a little ebook or something like that. I don't know. It's just an idea. All right. Okay. Okay. We can talk about it offline. We can talk about it offline. Right to care. Remember, um, you brought back memories. Yeah, me too. Busta Rhymes back in the day, late nineties. Busta Rhymes. Every album he was talking about, Y2K is coming. Didn't uh, didn't uh, B2K have like an album or a song called Y2K or something? <laughs> you remember that? Something like I that. Remember. I could be Busta tripping. Rhymes was heavy on that Y2K conspiracy. Had, a, had him in a chokehold. <laughs> and then two year two thousand came and nothing happened. Not at all. You had to go to work the next day. Like, oh man. We <laughs> <laughs> thought. Computers were going to shut down. Prison doors were going to open up. Yeah. <laughs> All kind of crazy mess. We're going to wrap. Start wrapping it up. Yeah, it's getting oh, late. Let me ask you, Charles, you, I saw a tweet where you were talking about how, looking back on your year, you really did a lot. Skydiving, try to beat Don Peebles, interview Dr. Kimbro. All these uh, games you went to. You did a lot of golfing, too, in different countries. A lot, a lot of golfing. It was a good year. And that's why I feel like I'm taking December off. Um, yeah, we really lived it up. There's still a little bit more living to do. Um, it was a good year. I think part of it was just, just at the fact that the world was back fully open 
and he could do a lot of things but without the limitations. I did a lot in 2020 when the world was closed, um, but I feel like I did even more this year. So it's a good year. Um, I don't have a gem from that. Uh, just had a good time. <laughs> <laughs> well, when did you leave the job full time? When did you leave the job? November of 2020. So, uh, um, yeah, November 2020. Oh, okay, cool. So 2021 was like the year that I was really off, but I just did a lot of relaxing that year. Oh, I remember. Uh, this guy was wearing a lot of sweatsuits and gold chains. Yeah, I was. I was just I'm <laughs> 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 big chilling. I'm looking forward to that, man. I'm shooting for uh, 2025 to retire. Yeah, I remember now. Yeah, now I remember. Beginning of 2022, it was like, man, but I'm putting back on my suits. <laughs> <laughs> That was funny. But we're going to wrap this up. Thank you guys for joining us. Be sure to follow us, like I said, on Twitter at TweetTalkPod. That's P-O-D. Follow myself, Raphael, on Twitter at WorkMoneyLife. Follow Charles at RealTalkBillion. Follow our guest, Bruce Hill, a.k.a. New Skills New You at <laughs> Skills New You on every platform. Follow us on Instagram at TweetTalkPodcast. Follow the parent company on Instagram at Todd.Capital and Charles at RealTalkBillion. My bad. I clicked it too quick. <laughs> Follow us on TikTok too. At TikTok Pod. Oh, yeah, sorry. Okay. Follow guest Bruce on every. Tell that dude to create an intro outro for the Tweet Talk podcast, man. You talking about Donald Voice? You talking about me? Nah, whoever has been doing the, the TikTok stuff. Yeah, we gonna get on that. Thanks for reminding me. We get on that this week. We gonna do that. We gonna do that. Be sure to follow us, man. Subscribe. Give us five star ratings. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, wherever you're listening to this. Google Podcasts, all that. I'll well, just leave you guys with one last tweet. I'm gonna repeat it. Like Charles said, remember, our people are more valuable than any check. Mm. I'm your host Raphael, along with our, my co-host Charles Ozzy the Third JD. Thank you. We talk podcast. We are out. Yeah, yeah. Yes, this is Donald the Voice, the official podcast editor and producer of the Tweet Talk podcast, featuring, of course, Charles Oglesby and the man Raphael Husbands. And look, man, if you just listen to this episode, then you know exactly what I'm capable of. You know my swag, you know what I can do. And so, without any further ado, I kind of want to give you a special offer for Tweet Talk podcast episode listeners. And here's what it is head on over to DonaldTheVoice.com. And if you have podcasts or video editing needs, let's talk. And of course, I'm giving you a real, real nice deal. But you have to mention that you're a Tweet Talk podcast listener. And this offer isn't going to last forever. So if you're on social media or you have a business or you got something going on to where you need somebody to edit and produce your content, come and holler at your boy. And I promise to take care of you, our dedicated listener to the Tweet Talk podcast. Again, head over to DonaldTheVoice.com and hit the contact page and let's have a little conversation. Okay, back to your day, your evening, your morning, whatever's going on. Peace.